Good evening and happy Wednesday. It's time for another installment of the Ruckus Boxing Podcast brought to you by BadCulture.net and RagingBabe.com. I'm your host, Jay LaBeouf. I'm joined by RB Raging Babe. We also have joining us a very special co-host tonight who will be dialing in with us shortly, Jake Donovan of Boxing Scene. Looking forward to rocking with Jake tonight, a wealth of knowledge. We have some special guests planned to join us this evening, Austin Trout and Barry Hunter. As we know, Austin Trout will be taking on Jamal Charlo on May 21st on Showtime for Charlo's IBF junior middleweight title. So the pack card, a stack card, we'll get into that when the guest joins us and we'll bring you all the information on that plus more information from the world of boxing. If you'd like to call in, the dial-in number is 718-508- 9852. Once again, 718-508-9852. And if you are live tweeting during the show, please use the hashtag the ruckus, T-H-E-R-U-C-K-U-S. So you can share our message with social media and across your boxing timeline because we appreciate when you do stuff like that. Let me bring in my illustrious co-host, the bean to my rice, the <laughs> sugar to my Kool-Aid. <laughs> RB Raging Bay Michelle Rosado. What's going on, RB? Oh, it's good day. All is good over here. All good. Ready for some more boxing talk. Looking forward to rocking with Jake and uh seeing what the gentlemen have to talk about this evening. As we await our first guest, a little bit of news. Don't want to get too deep into it before we are joined by Jake. Headlines, as you know, we're on WBC Watch with Canelo and GGG. We'll talk about that later in the show. The Terrence Crawford versus Victor Postal press conference was held here in Los Angeles yesterday at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. So that fight promotion is on its way and ready to go. The WBA, who wanted to dip their foot into the Golovkin sweepstakes, so to speak, have held off on making a ruling on the until they figure out what the WBC is doing and more. But we will talk about all those topics later in the show. We have a caller into the queue. Let me see who we got. This may be our guest. 470-429, you're on with the ruckus. Who am I speaking to? 470-429, you're live in the air. Nope. I don't think that is our guest, so we will put them back in the queue. So news, you know, the news that's just been permeating the whole boxing landscape has been Canelo versus GGG. If you are a boxing fan, you can't get away from it. You can't not hear it. You can't unring a bell. It's too far deep. Golovkin's doing L.A. radio now without on Power 106. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So he is in full-blown media blitz. What do you like? Do you, do you like this call-it-out strategy approach that GGG has been taking with approach to Canelo RB? I, I do because he's hitting the grassroots 
You know, he's hitting the people, the everyday people, not just the casual boxing fans or the main, you know, he's hitting the mainstream. He's hitting everybody out there, whether it's hip hop or wherever he's going. I think it's a, it's a great idea that, that Tom Loeffler is implementing and people are going to like him when they listen to Glovkin, they're going to like him. He's funny. He's quirky. You know, he says all the right things. So I think it's a good idea what they're doing with him. All right. And I see a number in the queue that looks like somebody else we would like to talk to. Jake Donovan, Jake in the box. How are you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Dan? Jake! It's, we're here. You're here. You're here. We're here. What's, what's the good word from Nashville, Tennessee tonight? Uh, the good word is just looking forward to talking to a lot of boxing. I know it's a slow week in the state side, but there's definitely a lot going on in the sport. So just really looking forward to chop up shop. All right, excellent. And I see the 505 area code, and I know that's New Mexico, so let me go ahead and pick that up. 505, you're on with the – oh, 505 was there, 505 dropped. So that means our first guest will be joining us. If you tuned in for Austin Trout, looks like he's having a little bit of trouble dialing in, so he'll be on with us in just a moment. So I'll ask you while we're waiting for him to rejoin us, Jake, like I just asked RV, what do you think of the full-blown media blitz that – Team Golovkin has going on in order to get this fight with Canelo Alvarez. I mean, it's worked all the way to you know making him the star that he is today. He's become with with the assumption that Canelo Alvarez is now a pay per view fighter from here on out. Gennady Golovkin is the biggest star on HBO today, as far as ratings go. As far as you know, people just want watches every fight. It, it's th- that approach has gotten him to this point, and I think it's brilliant. It's he's the mandatory challenger now to to Canelo Alvarez. This is a really unique situation. It's not just two superstars that are looking to fight each other. It's Golovkin, who's rallying the support of the people, who is actually has you know um, forced Canelo into an obligation to fight him. So I mean, why not rally the the support of the people? We're going to talk about all the good current ho- uh, headlines later on in the show, but. Just a little teaser, worst-case scenario. Let's just say that this Golovkin fight, this Canelo-Golovkin fight doesn't go down in September, as people would like, and it continues to marinate. Who is out there? Who would you, who immediately jumps to mind as an opponent for GGG? Because Abel said on the Morning Punch and Show that they are definitely going to fight regardless in August or September because they have those dates reserved with HBO. Got you. Um, it, it's really a tough question. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier on Twitter. If they do not fight, if Alvarez uh, Golovkin does not happen in September, the only acceptable alternative is that both of them fight on regular HBO. If either of them fight on pay-per-view, it's a disaster. They can't. I can't possibly see um, a pay-per-view event selling with either one of those fighters if they're not fighting each other. With Gennady Golovkin, the, his options are actually limited. If he doesn't fight Canelo Alvarez, he has to make his uh, the mandatory defense of his WBA title, which would be against the regular title with Daniel Jacobs, who has gone very silent ever since the WBA said they were going to mandate that fight. For a year, that side has been saying, you know, they were going to, you know, why isn't why isn't WBA doing the job? Now that WBA is willing to do their job, all of a sudden they're all New York Islander fans. I don't get it. <laughs> so usually the exception to a mandatory title fight is the unification bout. The only other true belt holder out there is the WBO champ, Billy Joe Saunders, who claims he's willing to fight Gennady. He had the shot in April. He waited until Gennady decided he was going to make his mandatory defense for Simon McGuay before saying, hey, yeah, I want to fight him. But now he's claiming he's willing to fight him in the summer. So. 
you, the same Billy Jay, Joe Sanders who needed like a year? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he needed a year, and then he wanted an astronomical amount of money, right? And right. I talked about Danny Jacobs on the show a few weeks ago, Jake, and I find mm-hmm. it so odd that he is so um, content with being a regular champion. He's been the regular champ now for two years. Why? Right. Like, you would think that he would want to call out the super champ. Like, you would think that he would want that. You know what's funny? When he was first offered the opportunity to fight for the title, I think it was on a conference call. I want to say it was Dan Ray, who challenged him and asked, you know, if he was okay with fighting for that belt, knowing that there was at least two other title holders. And he said, yes. I mean, I get it all that he's overcome. I mean, you know, he kicked Kansas ass just to come back to boxing and to him, you know, becoming the first cancer survivor to win a championship. It, you know, I can get, I can understand not caring about what belt he's fighting for, but now that he has that belt, he's, it's not even that he's won't, he's content to be a regular champion. He's not really doing anything with it. I mean, his right. big win was over Peter Corlin last December. That should have launched he should have at least fought once by now. It's not that he should be waiting for a fight in the summertime. He may or may not fight Andy Lee. If he doesn't fight Andy Lee, you know, he's going to enter negotiations with Golovkin. And then they're already talking about, oh, well, Golovkin's an HBO fighter. Danny Jacobs is, a, you know, quote-unquote affiliated with Showtime. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Daniel Jacobs should be, based off that win over Peter Quillen last last uh, December, he, he should be on the verge of stardom in 2016. Yeah. Not sitting on the sidelines waiting for his next assignment and passing on any potential fight that would come his way. And I don't blame that on him. That's obviously on his, uh, you know, his management team. Well, you know, Jake, I spoke to a mutual buddy of ours, and I actually specifically did ask about Danny Jacobs, and they said his inactivity, he's brought that on upon himself. He wanted to vacation. He wanted to take some time <laughs> off. He doesn't feel like he has to get back into the ring real soon. And they're actually all very against him doing that they wanted to get him right back in right and he's the one that's kind of fallen back and said i you know i want to take a break i'm good uh then he has a lot of explaining to do and he has honestly he hasn't done any so far i mean it's i i find it absurd i mean he had a 12-round fight with caleb truax last april where he scored the 12th round stoppage since then he's fought less than three full rounds of ring time i mean you know if the man you know if he wants to say well he had two rough training camps and he wants to take a break from that that's fine but we're already into may it's been five months since the you know the the minute and a half before you know Peter Quillen or however long that fight took, I mean it's you know it's time to get back on the grind. Either that or just say you don't want to fight anymore. Absolutely. Right now, why don't we bring in our first guest? I believe I see him in the queue. Five seven five six five zero. You're live with the Ruckus. Who that would be him. Yeah, that's that's me. It's Trout Nation in the booth. <laughs> Trout Nation. If you are just tuning in, we are joined by Austin Trout, who will be taking on Jamal Charlo on on May 21st on Showtime for the IBF Junior Middleweight title. Should we call you Trout Nation, or are you going to be Trout the Lion Tamer? Is it going to be Scar versus Mufasa on March tw- May 21st? Yeah, but no, I'm gonna be Simba versus Mufasa. You know what I mean? Even though I'm, I'll be Simba. We know what happened to Mufasa in that fight. Right? You gonna stand over? You gonna you gonna stand up on the hill and say, "Look at all of this! All of this is our kingdom." Once you once you emerge victorious. <laughs> no, no, I, I know it's a, we got a good fight ahead. I'm excited about this fight. I mean, the whole card's a good card. As a fan, I you know I wish I could watch some of these fights, but but um. 
this is uh, definitely a good fight for me, good fight for Charles, a good fight for the fans. And I reiterate, good Absolutely. fight for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So you now going back into the ring against Charlo on on May 21st, you find yourself back in title contention. How did you keep yourself up and motivated to regain your your place at the head of the line? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's just grinding. You know, I've, I've I've been putting in work. I've been training. Um, I always train hard. You know, I've, I've never came in out of shape. But the hunger to stay there, and you know, after getting a couple, you know, a couple wins back under my belt, you know, I was like, look, let's get back to the head of the table. And you know, we had we had some fights fall out. It would have had me alive for the WBC. That's fine. Had a fight fought out that would have had me in line of the WBO. You know, it's fine. Because it's not really on my time. It's really on God's time. But, you know, I got the opportunity to fight for the IBF title. You know, it's like, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, just make that happen. Well, Austin, you said it's fine, but it's really not fine because you were next in line for the WBO with Liam Smith, and they pretty much skipped right over you. Well, I mean, it's not fine. We're going to make them pay what they owe. And hopefully, you know, we give them chances to make it make it right. But, you know, they, they don't they, – I guess they're refusing to, to do so. So I got to fight yeah. them in the court. But as long as they don't keep me from fighting, that's, that's, that's all I, I really – yeah, well, and that, that's what I, that's what I was going to ask you, you know, because not only did they skip over you, but then they dropped you in the rankings, and I'm like, all right, Austin's got to be doing something. So are you are you suing? Are you taking them to court? Like, what are you doing? That was really foul. Yeah, we're taking them to court, and um, you know, I don't like this whole fighting with lawyers situation because you know, I don't think that's the way a man should do it. That's the only way that you can get some of these things done. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he there? Jake, feel free. Oh, I'm okay. Hey, what's going on, Austin? <laughs> Hello, Austin? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, I just want to let you know you missed this weekend. You know, Steve Cunningham did his best to hold it down for you, but, you know, the Bounce family definitely uh, missed your services this weekend. Although we all know, we all understand your absence. Yeah, you know, I had to put on the boxing hat and keep it on, you know, instead of uh, going and putting on my commentating hat. But, but it was uh, it was good to see Barry over there and see my man Steve. It looked like they did a good job. Yeah, yeah, Coach Barry too. He was, uh, you know, he was telling me, he was, you know, uh, commenting on some of the statements that you made that you're actually a stronger version than you were when you fought uh, Miguel Cotto. Uh, way back in December 2012. Just uh, what can you attribute that to? What what makes you believe that this is, you know, not only your best camp ever, but that you're actually at your strongest going into this fight? You know, I, I think turning the big 3-0, you know, I finally started getting my man strength that I've been waiting for. I was supposed to get it when I was, like, 27. It didn't come in. So, you know, now yeah, I'm just feeling strong. My weight's good. Um, you know, I'm cracking. The speed's still there. Uh, you know, I think it's just the timing. You know, we've been working for, you know, a good four or five months, really. I mean, not super intense, but we've been working for, for more than just two months and just, just building on, on, you know, what we the momentum we have going. 
Um, and I know it's been a very long time coming for you to get back to this point. Did you ever feel like a sense of urgency to maybe, you know, given all the talent that's at is in the South at Walter Waite, one division north of middleweight, did you ever get the urge, like, you know, maybe I should move up or down and wait in order to get that big fight that I know I deserve? Nah, because there's plenty of big fights that happen at 54. You know, I, I, I would feel like I would feel that urgency if there's nobody to fight at 154. But there's plenty of fights. Okay. Yeah. There so, you know, God willing if and when you beat Jamal Charlo next week, are you willing to face the mandatory? There was some talk back, you know, a few months ago, probably like eight, nine months ago, that you were gonna fight Julian Williams. So if you beat Charlo, then here comes J Rock again as your mandatory. Yeah, I mean that's the word. He's the mandatory. That's that's what uh I feel is, is what I'm going to have to do. IBS is going to, you know, make that happen. I think it's still a good fight for the fans, for me, for Julian. It's a fight that should happen. Uh, the only the only fight that I see could trump that fight is a unification, and that's only mm-hmm. if the IBS allows. But, you know, yep. again, we, I mean, of course we're not looking past Charlo, and we can't mm-hmm. look past because if we do that, then we're going to get clipped and ain't nothing going to happen. So, you know, we focus on Charlo, you know, our eyes looking at J-Rock next, unless, unless the IBF allows us to get that unification going. And, and, and if so, then give me another belt. Do you know the difference between the two Charlos, like as far as their styles? Like there's Jamel and there's Jamal. Do, do you see any big differences between the two? Yeah, there's one big difference, and in, in that's, that's, uh, that's a letter, one letter in the name. One spell with a No, no, like one I don't know. <laughs> Another one has. I feel like he's a better boxer. He has, he has better skills. You know, he, he he's quicker. He has better head movement. But the other one is definitely a stronger puncher. The one okay, I'm wait. Which which fight. one is the stronger puncher? Oh, the one you're fighting, Jamal. But they're very similar, you know. I mean, you know, watching both of them, they both still have very similar styles. And it's, it's, it's really, if, if you didn't know, you wouldn't have known who was fighting. You better be careful. They might want to tag in during your fight. You might turn around, <laughs> go to your corner, come back. The other one might be in the ring. Yeah, I'm going to keep watching that. Sometimes. That's funny. Well, let me, like, let me ask you, Austin. Go ahead, Jake. No, you go ahead. Please go. I can wait. Ay, ay, ay. No, I just, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, what's a typical day in the Austin trial house? I know you're over in D.C. now preparing with uh, Barry Hunter. We're going to speak to Barry a little bit later. But what's a typical day? Because you seem so cool and so relaxed even now heading into your fight. What is a typical day in the life of Austin Trout? Like when I'm when I'm at home with the kids or when I'm in camp, because you know those are two different both. different types of both. Well, you know, in camp, I I of course get up, go to the gym, get my box workout, you know, around you know, ten ten thirty, and um come back, uh, make some food, relax, play some video games, you know, which helps keep my mind off of you know I try to stay stress free and, and uh. You know, thinking about this boxing game will get you stressed out for sure. And so, of course, you know, my wife, 
she should call or I'll call her and talk with her. Depending if the kids are in school or not. Give my rounds with the kids. And you know, I got I have a thirteen year old daughter now, so you know, I'm I'm trying to stay on her ass. Make sure she's <laughs> doing what she needs to do. Um then then you know, I get take a little nap and get ready to go to my next workout. And after that, you know, I just unwind. I've been <laughs> I've been cooking a lot lately, so I've really been making some bomb dinners for my. I so myself. Can we get a plate? Word. I, I would love to, you know, cooking by myself, really. And, and uh, you know, my coach Louis out here, he got to taste some of his, his creations. But he don't tell me nothing. Like, I'm waiting for him to be like, oh, it's amazing. And all I get out of his ass is like, oh, it's pretty good. You know, you went to D.C. You went to D.C. to train with Barry Hunter. Um, what, how long have you been with him now? A year or two? Yeah, I would say it's been about a year. About a year. So, you know, you're coming from Las Cruces, and D.C. is so different from New Mexico. So was it a little bit like of a shock for you, you know, having to move there and train there for weeks? How, how, do, you, how do you like D.C. overall? <laughs> I like it. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a shock. You know, I'm really comfortable everywhere. Um, you know what I mean? You can put me anywhere on this God's green earth, and I'll triple my work now. I'm just playing. I, uh, I, I can adapt and, and get along everywhere I'm at, but it is definitely different. I mean, the traffic, the, the weather, you, know, you name it, it's just definitely different. And... Um, but I have family out here, so that was cool. It's not like I was super lonely. I was able to mm. go see things and, and hang out, you know, for a little bit. But, you know, camp life is, is a secluded life, so, you know, there's not too much hanging out with anybody. You're just by yourself, get in tune with yourself, you know, get ready for, for the, the task at hand. Is Demetrius Hopkins still in camp with you by any chance? He sure is. He's out here. Yeah. All yeah, right. He's a good star. And he, you know, he, he's definitely got an old soul, so you know, it, it's cool mm-hmm. talking with him and uh, you know, just kicking with him. That's cool. So how, when you guys aren't working out, how do you keep yourself entertained so you don't go crazy because you can't watch boxing or box 24 hours a day? What, what What's some of the fun and light things that you guys do while you're in camp just to relieve some of the pressure? Well, like I said, video games, you know, and it's actually camp time is my time to actually be able to put in some serious gaming hours because when I'm at home, either my son wants to play and, you know, I hate watching him play because he don't listen to me or any of my instructions. He don't do it right. <laughs> or if my wife is bothering me to do something else besides playing video games, you know, it's funny because, like, I go hide in my son's room, close the door, and he's just walking around looking for me. And when she mm-hmm. finds me, you know, and she sees me playing a video game. They're like, oh, hell no. I need this, this, that, and the third one. So, you know, I get to camp. I get to go play these games, you know, try to beat them as fast as I can so I can get a new one. But I also like to watch movies. You know, I go to the movie theaters, and I watch all of the movies that are in there, you know, at least the ones that interest me. You know, I look through your social media. Your social media is pretty hilarious. Especially 
your Instagram, your Instagram account. I look at some of the stuff you posted. You seem so so calm and so quiet. And then I looked at your Instagram. The one that made me laugh recently was um, something that you, well, maybe that one's not appropriate for the show. But you have what? a pretty interesting Instagram um, for those who would like to go see your No Doubt Trout Instagram account. Pretty, pretty funny guy. Everything from recycling to old pictures to funny things with your wife to things with your kids to dressing up in superhero <laughs> costumes. So word, we got a little a little tidbit of information that you like to dress up and do cosplay. Yeah, man. I do. I do. It's fun. So what yeah. are- I didn't, my mom didn't let me do Halloween, so like, now that I'm grown, I can do it myself. I can go in. And that's just for Halloween, you know, like you said, for Comic-Con, anything. Any reason to, to get in an in a outfit, I'm with it. What have been some of your best, your best, your most recent costumes, like your last two or three? Um, my last costume, well, one of my favorite costumes was when I was Prince. I think that was that was one of my favorite ones. I thought I killed it, and then everybody was like, "Is that Little Richard?" I'm like, "No, I'm the artist former known Prince." Or they're like, "Are you Dave Chappelle trying to be Prince?" Like, "No, I'm me trying to be Prince." Uh, <laughs> I thought I killed that joint. Um, you know, I'm so mad son, at Little Richard. I'm so mad. Me and my son, he was Thor, and I was Batman. You know, Batman is always going to win, so I had to really whoop him. Okay, so if you could choose, before we kill it on the cosplay on and just kill the folks with that, if you could pick one superhero power, what would it be? Just to pick just one? If you mm. could have just one. Well, I, I guess it would be to be Magneto, to be able to control the magnetic force, because that means you can fly. You know, that means you can you control the magnetic field. No, 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 I take that back. To be able to control gravity, gravitron. I mean, that, that can make you as strong or, or, you know, as light as you want. And you can fly. All right. Yeah. Jake, you said, you said you had some follow-up questions for Austin that you want to jump in. Please, by all means. Yeah, no, I just have one more. Um, also, a lot of uh, a lot of times fans they kind of misconstrue how fights are on the table and then you know how they wind up not happening. I just wanted to give you a chance. Uh, Michelle kind of touched on it earlier. You had a shot once upon a time to fight Julian Williams. You ended up going in another direction. J Rock in turn had a f- opportunity to, to take on a similar fight, whereas like it's a tough fight, but not for anything really at stake. And he decided to go in another direction. So I just wanted to give you the chance to explain to our listeners just you know why certain fights don't happen at a certain time. And why it makes sense to happen further down the road. I mean, I had a shot at J Rock. <laughs> Just in last last year when you and J Rock were talking about possibly fighting each other. Listen, this is what happened. You know, I told Al, I said, listen, what can we do? What can we get for this fight? J Rock ain't a slouch. It ain't going to be no easy fight. You definitely want to be compensated. I'm not greedy by all means, and I never put a number out there. I was like, look, I got two options for you. Go out to Liam Smith, the WBO champion. If if the WBO, you know, does right by you, or you get Jamal Charlo, the IBF champion. Right. So when you know the the options are a champion or champion, why would I say no? I want to fight J Rock though. Mm-hmm. J Rock, what am I going to do? Be in the same position I am now. 
trying to get a title shot. You know what I mean? But now that he's the mandatory, I get a belt, and then he has a chance to get a belt, whereas if we fought eight or nine months ago, we would have fought a hell of a fight for nothing. I mean, of course, hopefully they would have paid for that because that's something to be paid for. Yeah, now that makes sense. I like that. I'm just thinking of the J-Rock situation, too. Yeah, when he was in the WBC tournament, he said the same thing. He thought he was going in, taking one fight and fighting for the title until he looked at it and said, hey, I got to actually fight three guys in order to get to the title. So why not just go in another direction, which is the direction he went, and he won the Eliminator, and now he's, like you said, he's in line to possibly fight you after you win next week, so. Like I said, I, you know, it's good for boxers to give, you know, the audience the side. You know, not, it's not always about business, but sometimes the business side just makes way more sense. The timing, too. You know, timing is always is a beautiful thing in this game. And if the timing ain't right, then, you know, the time ain't right. Don't try to force it. Right. Mm-hmm. Austin, before we wrap with you for the evening, is there anything that you've heard out there in social media or the media in general that you would clear that you would like to clear up that people say about you that is incorrect or partially incorrect or anything well, along that, that line? That, that, that Charlo got an easy fight with, you know, picking me, that's ridiculous. Then that I'm mm. ducking Jacob, you know, that's never the case. I, ain't, I don't duck anybody. You know, I, you know, I'm the one who asked to fight Lara. You know, I'm the one who tried to push the Canelo fight. I went to Toto's yard, that's how I beat him. I, you know, I've gone to other people's backyards to fight them just for the opportunity. So I think it's ludicrous for anybody to say I've ducked anybody or I'm ducking anybody. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, Austin, we wish you the best of luck. It has been a pleasure speaking with you this evening, and hopefully we'll get a chance to touch base with you again in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me. I had a great time. Thanks, Austin. Good. All the best next week. Beat Charlo. I will. And we're gonna bring. All right. And we're gonna bring. And we're gonna bring a Tupperware. So after the fight, you can give us some of that dinner, (laughs) and we can put it in the Tupperware (laughs) after the fight. Is that cool? General Tso's chicken is beautiful. (laughs) All right. Good night. Excellent. All the best. (laughs) Bye, y'all. All right. Take care, champ. All right, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more Boxing Talk. Rock with the Morning Punching Show with RBNJ. Call in at 718-508-9852. Press 1 to speak your piece. Monday mornings from 8 to 9. Real topics, real reactions, real talk. Only with RBNJ on the Morning Punching Show. And we're back. Yes, the Morning Punchin' Show on Mondays from 8 to 9. That's a wild ride. Jake, you've rocked with us in the morning before RB. It's always a great time on Monday. So make sure you tune in this Monday for another edition of the Morning Punchin' Show. Why don't we jump right into the news topics? I don't see our next guest in the queue. So why don't we jump right into to what's current in terms of let's go right into Canelo versus GGG. As well, we know... Go ahead, Michelle. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jay. I, before we get into uh, Canelo and Golovkin and all that stuff, I wanted Jay to talk to us about the sudden flooding of the pay-per-view market, you know, and 
needing to make better matchups and things like that. Can, can you kind of get into that with us tonight, Jake? I absolutely can. Um, and this is kind of what I was touching on earlier, where boxing fans, first of all, we have to demand that the next that the fight on September 17th is, in fact, Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin. If that fight does not happen, we then have to demand that neither one of them fight on pay-per-view until they fight each other. Because HBO, obviously, their budget has taken a massive hit going mm. into 2016. It's a shame because they really had a good, strong run at, towards the end of 2015. It seemed like everything was aligning properly. Then this year came around, and all of a sudden, promoters are learning they're just not getting the dates they, they uh, thought they were going to get this year. So now we saw Manny Pacquiao and Tim Bradley fight for a third time. That was on pay-per-view in April, which we kind of under, you know, we expected that to go pay-per-view. That pay-per-view bombed. Last weekend, we had Saul Canelo Alvarez fight Amir Khan in a fight that nobody necessarily asked for, but because Alvarez is such a big name, that went on pay-per-view. And depending on who you believe, the, the pay-per-view either performed very poorly or it's somewhere near 600,000 buys. Uh, the 600,000 buy rate is coming from a source with Golden Boy. Without HBO validating that, there's really no way to say whether or not that number is accurate. I'm not going to speculate any further on that. Moving down the road, uh, we finally get the 140-pound matchup that we want. Terrence Bud Crawford is going to fight Victor Postal. Unfortunately, because it doesn't fit within the HBO budget, that fight has to go on pay-per-view. That's a tough one to decipher because you want that matchup to happen. You don't want to say, well, HBO mm -hmm. can't afford it, therefore these two are never going to fight each other. Because then you think about, well, who are they going to fight on HBO that the network can afford? And we're going to get more matchups of Crawford versus Hank Lundy and Crawford versus Jerry Jean and guys that, you know, names that are respectable, the names that, you know, Bud is going to tear through, and he needs to be tested against a guy like Victor Postal in order to prove he's the best 140-pound fighter in the world and vice versa. Unfortunately, the only way top rank can make that happen without going into business, without Heyman and putting on network TV is to go the pay-per-view route until HBO is able to free up the money. Moving further down the road, it seems like every relevant matchup that's going to be made in the second half of the year is going to wind up going the pay-per-view route. That's taking the sport back to where it was, which was not in a good place. HBO once upon a time could afford all these big fights. Then all of a sudden we're getting 12 pay-per-views per year and they're bragging, oh, yeah, well, we, you know, we sold 4 million pay-per-views in 2000, you know, whatever, whatever year. But when you're doing 12 a year, that's only averaging out to about less than 400,000 per show. So that's not really expanding your market. In fact, it's limiting your market base because you're depending on people who have the disposable income or who are just so addicted to the sport that they're going to buy everything. So it's not a good place for boxing to go in 2016. The ratings are already on the decline from where they were in years past. We need to move past the pay-per-view market. We need to find another way to get these fights going. I wish someone at HBO could explain why the True TV series isn't uh, working out for 2016 because I thought that was a great vehicle for, for top rank in 2015, and especially the way it ended. The last show of the year ended with the return of Felix Sadejo and a fight of the year contender. Have, have you know. attempted to ask anybody on that side of the street what did happen with True TV and if they're pursuing, you know, another network maybe? I think that the resistance was that, you know, ACL sports budget just got slashed so drastically that, you know, they just made the cuts and that was, you know, one of the, uh, one of the series that wasn't coming back in 2016. The other rationale was that because True TV isn't a true sports network that people weren't necessarily looking for boxing on that network. To that, I'm going to point to a series where I work on with Bounce TV. I mean, they're posting incredible numbers for, you know, in relation to the program and they do. Their viewers are not looking for boxing. But yet three of their five shows have done fantastic numbers that have actually exceeded their expectations. So boxing is working on a network where people are looking for more for entertainment than sports. So I'm not quite sure I buy that excuse for True TV. 
But it's just a shame because within the Time Warner family, there's so many other outlets to, to present boxing. I mean, even if, you know, record cutters, just go digital. Find a way to, you know, mm-hmm. just make these fights happen without making people have to take 50. It's a shame. We're looking at a fight like Crawford Post Hole, which is a great fight, a fight that I think any true boxing fan is looking forward to. It determines 140 pounds supremacy. And yet it, they're almost bragging that it, quote, unquote, only costs $50. That it's, you know, not costing $70 that, you know, the other papers are using the charging. It's, I don't get how... <laughs> All of a sudden, we're looking at fifty dollars pay per view as a bargain. That's not only yeah, fifty dollars to me, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the th- the bounce shows have been really good. Yeah, the bounce shows have been good this weekend. Uh, it actually surpassed the one from January thirty first, which was a massive improvement from the way the series ended in two thousand fifteen. Not going to tell that it wasn't the greatest main event, but uh, Eric Hamilton headlined the one on January thirty first, and it drew two hundred seventy five thousand viewers with a peak audience of 480,000 and reaching a viewership reach of 1 million viewers. This last weekend on Mother's Day, which was headlined by Kanat Islam, a very promising 154-pound uh, prospect turned contender, that fight, that, those ratings actually touched 300,000 viewers and a viewership reach of over 1.2 million viewers. So like I said, the, the folks at Bounce give you a thrill. So I don't know how everyone else in the PBC universe feels, but the folks at Bounce, they're definitely bringing the series back. All right. What so Jay, let's get into the Canelo Golovkin situation with Jake. I know that you wanted him to elaborate on some things there. Right. We are as we know, it's just been permeating the news right right now we're on WBC watch. We're in this free negotiation period. Jake, if you could elaborate a little bit more for those who are listening who may not be as in touch with the business side of of creating a fight, if we could discuss a little bit more about this free period and purse bidding and what this means to the potential of a super fight. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime uh, a a sanctioned body champion has a mandatory title defense to make, the sanctioned body has to order that fight. In this particular case, Alvarez is the WBC champion, in addition to being the world-recognized lineal middleweight champ. Gennady Golovkin, in addition to all his other belts, is actually the WBC mandatory challenger. So on May 9th, WBC formally ordered the fight to happen. There was already a 15-day deadline imposed, usually the 30-day uh, negotiation period. And what a free negotiation period means is that the two camps can negotiate freely without any intrusion from any other promoter, meaning that Alvarez is promoted by Golden Boy Promotions. Gennady has K2 Promotions. That means Bob Aram can come in and say, hey, I want to promote this fight. You know, I'm going to do it for $50 million. It's, it has to be a deal between Golden Boy and K2, unless they decide to bring in another promoter. If right. in the time frame they cannot reach a deal to sanction a body, then orders the first bit. Like I said, usually it's 30 days, but because of the unique situation here where they both agree to interim fights, there's a 15-day deadline with the first bid scheduled for May 24th. And that comes into play if the two sides cannot agree to terms. And either side can order a first bid earlier than then they can decide, you know what, negotiations aren't going anywhere. I'm not wasting my time. You know, I want to order a first bid. Hmm. Jay, are you there? I, what do you What do you think? Yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm trying to process this and what could happen. What, either I just don't believe the fight is going to happen. I don't believe it's going to it's they're going to negotiate anything, and I don't believe that we're going to get a fight in September. If it if the fight goes the purse bid, do you think Tom and the crew will pull out the big guns to win the purse bid over Golden Boy? And what uh, that would mean what, to the potential of the super fight? Well, 
I, my, my thinking is this. Uh, K2 Promotions and Golden Boy already have a working relationship. It's not like the two bitter rivals who don't want to be in the same room. They worked together last year for the Gennady Golovkin, David Lemieux uh, unification bout at Madison Square Garden, which they worked together perfectly. It was a sold-out venue at Madison Square Garden. You know, the pay-per-view numbers were, I, I don't know if I want to call 150000 a success, but it worked in regards to the amount they spent on the promotion. But the point being that both sides walked away wanting to do business again and knowing that they would have to eventually do business again, especially since Alvarez won the title and Golovkin is a mandatory challenger. I don't think either side wants us to go to first bid because that means if there's someone else out there, you know, I mean, Andre Rubinsky could come right back over here and say, hey, I want to bring this fight to Russia. You know, Gennady Golovkin hasn't fought in Eastern Europe and, you know, God knows how long I want the fight over there. I'm going to bid $20 million. That then takes the fight out of the hands of Golden Boy and K2 Promotions and puts it in another promoter's hands. I don't think either side wants that. They want to remain in control of this promotion. So my gut tells me that if they don't reach it, I hope they will reach a deal. I think everyone's hopes is that a fight happens on September 17th or any time that is the next fight for either fighter. But if they don't come to terms, I believe they will reach an agreement where another fight is accepted, even if it means Alvarez giving up the WBC title and then the two negotiating for a fight next year at whatever weight, you know, works out best for both of them. I do believe at some point these two will fight. My hope is that it happens next. And I'm, I'm not ready to give up hope that it's going to happen next. I'm not ready to, I, I'm just not optimistic. I'm not optimistic. I hope it happens next, but I'm just not optimistic. So along with this fight and the, the watch on this, the WBA jumped in the mix and said they were going to order potentially a fight with Danny Jacobs and Golovkin, but they're going to wait and see what the WBC is going to do with their ruling. Why did the WBA and their infinite wisdom decide right now that they want to jump into the four-way with Gennady Golovkin? Is it about sanctioning fees or what's the WBA mindset? Okay, I will say this. A lot of people, they just have these negative thoughts towards all the sanctioning bodies, and I'd say 85% you know, for, the, for, the right, for the right reasons. I mean, there's just been a ridiculous level of corruption among them for years. The new guard, though, I believe Mauricio Suleiman, who took over the WBC for his departed, uh, Jose Suleiman, and then Gilberto Jesus, I'm sorry, uh, the WBA, the, 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 I'm sorry, excuse me, Gilberto Jesus Mendoza took over for his father, the recently departed Gilberto Mendoza. I believe they're both proceeding with good intentions. They're trying to rid the mentality that the sanctioning bodies are evil. They want to work with promoters to put the best fight forward. So with that in mind, Gilberto Mendoza realizes, hey, I got a mandatory fight. I don't want to ruin any chance of Alvarez Golovkin happening, so I'm going to wait it out. It's only 15 days. I believe he's doing the right thing here. If that fight doesn't happen, he's going to jump in and say, okay, well, Gennady, your next opponent is Daniel Jacobs. If Daniel Jacobs doesn't want the fight, he can give up the belt. Gennady Golovkin no longer has a mandatory, and he can take on any opponent he wants next. So I actually like the approach that he's taking. I don't think there's any ulterior motives. I don't think there's any hidden agenda. I genuinely believe it's good for those are wanting to do the right thing. Well, I like it. At least it's it's a conversation. It's a potential of another fight. If Let's say, for example, the Golovkin fight happens with Danny Jacobs. What do you anticipate the fan re- reaction being to a fight with Jacobs? Golovkin received a lot of criticism for the opponent that he's facing, even if they are mandatory opponents. What, do you, what is the temperature on him fighting a Danny Jacobs if, in fact, that becomes the next fight? I think moving beyond the um, initial disappointment of Alvarez Golovkin not being the next fight for either guy, 
I, I don't see anything wrong with fight between uh, Gennady Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs. I mean, you know, Danny, Daniel is a top, a legitimate top 10 middleweight. Really, you can't complain about that fight. I mean, will Gennady be a, a, a massive favorite? Yeah, he's probably going to be a massive favorite against any middleweight on the planet these days. So you look at the, the guys that are out there, I, I can't think of too many other middleweights I'd rather see Gennady face. I mean, obviously, Canelo's right at the top. But beyond then, Daniel Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, just for the sake of, you know, collecting all the belts and putting them all in one place, those are two fights I, I can forget because I know I don't believe either one of those fights will wind up on the pay-per-view market either. So, I mean, maybe they will outside of the United States. But as far as the U.S. goes, I mean, we'll see those fights either on HBO or, you know, God forbid, any other network. Although Gennady's, you know, strangled on HBO means any fight that doesn't wind up on pay-per-view will wind up on their network. So I, I, I wouldn't mind either one of those fights. Anything outside of those, I wouldn't be cool with. But just because of the belts he owns, really those are his only two options. How long is Gennady still locked into HBO? I know he signed a new agreement at the beginning of this year, or the end of last year. I can't remember exactly, but do you know how long he is locked into HBO? Is it forever? Forever? My knowledge is just it's a long-term deal. And um, I, I, I've learned, you know, when you talk to promoters, they give you a certain answer that sometimes you just accept the answer they give you and you move on, knowing that it's, you know, at least some semblance of the truth. So, uh, but it is—it's an exclusive deal. So HBO would absolutely have to give their blessing that Gennady would fight on another network, and that is just not going to happen, especially not for a fight with Daniel Jacobs. So, left to speaking with HBO exclusive deal. So now there's Golovkin has an exclusive deal. Kovalev has an exclusive deal. Yes. Pacquiao says he's retired, so he no longer, technically, I guess you could say, has an exclusive deal since he's retired or he fought the duration of what his terms were. Is there anyone else left that ha- that is exclusive to HBO so that we know how to plan our boxing viewing and say, oh, we, we can't fight on that network? <laughs> well, the, the guy that, you know, Gennady wants to fight next, Canelo Alvarez. I mean, he signed, you know, what Oscar referred to as a historic deal when he changed sides. You know, he went from HBO to Showtime and then from Showtime right back to HBO. And, you know, he followed Bernard Hopkins over, you know, from, from Showtime to HBO when Bernard decided he was going to fight Sergey Kovalev and stop, you know, two sides from suing each other. Right after that, Canelo announced his historic deal with HBO that was supposed to allow for him to fight on both HBO and on pay-per-view. So far, we've seen the one fight on HBO when he annihilated James Kirkland around this time last year. And then we've seen two pay-per-view fights since then and presumably a third one if we get the fight we want next. But uh, as young as Canelo is, I'm sorry, as young as Canelo is, he will be spending the rest of his career on HBO. Why don't they ever release the terms of those types of deals? For example, when you see in other professional sports, Kobe Bryant just signed a gajillion-dollar deal with Nike or Serena Williams. Why don't they ever really release the financial? Of course, there's always particulars and and intangibles. But why don't they ever disclose those type of punitive monetary things? I I guess just that's the right that the networks have. I mean, you know, boxing the way it is. You know, this what's. You know, I, they're obligated, I guess, you know, to, to reveal those numbers. So boxing, it's, you know, it's at the discretion of the promoter. It's at the discretion of the network. I will say HBO used to reveal the contracts once upon a time. Like, I know when Riddick Bowe became champion, they made a big deal that, you know, he had this $100 million deal in place. But the thing with the way HBO contracts used to work, uh, and, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm sure Lou DeBello will jump on here and start screaming at me that I'm wrong. But my understanding <laughs> is that there was a provision where they lost <laughs> we all love Lou. But there was a provision where if one of their contracted fighters lost, HBO had the right to either next contract or move forward, you know, as they saw fit. So, but I'm not, as you say, everything's cryptic these days. So I can't even begin to speak to, you know, the terms of any network contract any fighter has with the network these days. 
Well, as long as we get something that that's exciting and gives us hope for the future. We're coming up on the close of the show. Why don't we jump right into the weekend fight schedule? Uh, Michelle, unless you wanted to add on to that. I just wanted to ask Jake one thing. Amir Khan, you know, he woke up last week and he immediately started telling Canelo what to do and move up and wait. And, and then this week on Boxing Scene, we see that Khan is talking to Heyman about setting up the mandatory with Danny Garcia. So it's like he just wants to keep fighting. What's really going to happen with Amir Khan? Does Golden Boy have any options on him? Is he still a Heyman fighter? I mean, he keeps stinking out, Heyman, and he hasn't given any indication that he's out of contract with them. You know, again, this being boxing, and, you know, they're deciding to release whatever details they want. You know, who the heck knows? Golden Boy claimed going into the fight with Canelo that, you know, they were welcoming Amir back home. They've done that with other fighters in the past Ooh. until realizing, hey, you know what? This guy's actually still with Heyman. We kind of got to let him go. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I, if I'm Amir Khan, I don't know why people, you know, people are calling for his retirement. All of a sudden, yes, he took a brutal right. He, he took a brutal shot. He got knocked the hell out. That's the result everyone yeah. expected, though, going in. I mean, Canelo, everyone knew. He was at a massive yep. size advantage. He still landed a hell of a punch. It was still a highlight reel knockout that's worth talking about. I mean, people should – you shouldn't just, you know, well, it was a massive mismatch, so who cares about the knockout? It was still a knockout you want to watch over and over and over, although you get, you know, hard has to watch for Amir Khan, you know, who's just too brave for his own good. But wanting a rematch with Danny Garcia, I don't see that as an example of him being too – you know, too brave for his own good. It's a fight that probably should have happened, you know, a while ago. He should be looking at those welterweight fights. He kept looking at, I want to fight Floyd Mayweather. I want to fight Manny Pacquiao. No other welterweight fight is worth my time. So if now he's saying, I want to fight Danny Garcia next, I'm going to say, well, who's lined up for Danny Garcia? You know, if Andre Berto was next, I sure as hell wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with King Garcia and Khan. Is that a wise next fight for Amir Khan? I read some comments on Boxing Scene, shameless plug, <laughs> that that Danny Garcia is saying, why is it wise for Amir Khan to jump right back in the fray after being knocked out so violently into a fight with a guy that knocked him out? Yeah, Is I, Khan, again, a, falling victim to his own bravery? I, he could be. And, I, you know, I'm not saying I want to see the fight next. I don't want to see, you know, you know Garcia-Khan who would take place in July. So Danny can fight whoever he wants next. But as far as whomever Amir Khan wants to fight next, I wouldn't mind seeing him at that level. One fight I actually pitched for whenever he's ready to return, and he should take a lot of time off. I mean, he, I'm sure he got a decent payday. I know his reported payday was $2 million. I'm sure he made a lot more on the, on the U.K. side mm-hmm. and the foreign right mm-hmm. side. He should take some time off. He finally got his the super fight that he's wanted for at least the past three years. Take some time off once your head is in the right place and not just when you want to return. You know, when everyone around you, you know, medical <laughs> advice, everyone on your team decides is ready to return. Start looking at, you know, top 10 fights again. There's no reason why he can't fight another top 10 uh, welterweight when the time is right for him to return. One fight I pitched just because I hate seeing guys coming off, you know, a loss or embarrassing uh, situation to go right into a title. I'd like to see Amir Khan fight Adrian Bro. I think that'd be a fantastic really? fight. Really? Yeah. Especially in the PBC would. universe. Would. That would do monster numbers. Especially you put that fight in front time, that's a ratings boom. Yes. I, I, I totally agree with that. I like that, too. Um I was a little disappointed today because I think the people over at Ring TV put out an article saying something about, you know, Khan should retire. He's got all this money. He's got this foundation. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, really? And the guy's like, well, did you read my article? And I'm like, yeah, I read it. I I mean, and look, everybody knows I ride Amir Khan pretty hard. And even (laughs) I didn't say anything that bad. 
And I said to the right. guy, you know, if anything, we should be saying that about Glenn Tapia. Why aren't you writing a story right. about Glenn Tapia, but you're writing this about Amir Khan? Yeah, I, exactly. I was going to bring that up. I, the story was by Mitch Abramson, who, you know, I, I, I get along with him great. I think he's one of the very best writers in the game. He's one of the most honest writers in the game, which is very important because there aren't a lot of honest people in this industry. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the beautiful relationship with, you know, writers who get along is that we can't disagree with each other. That's Mitch's opinion. I, I respect it. And I was wondering, too, like, if after watching Glenn Tapia get knocked out the way he did, you know, for the third time in his career, it's, you know, it is definitely time for Glenn Tapia to call a career. But, you know, Glenn Tapia doesn't necessarily rate as high as Amir Khan in terms of notoriety. So maybe, you know, calling for Amir Khan's retirement, you know, kind of draws more eyeballs, you know, draws more attention to your website. You know, I'm not saying it's clickbait or anything. You know, Mitch is way above that. But, I, you know, writing an article saying Glenn Tapia should retire, it was like, yeah, well, no shit, he should retire. So, you know, maybe not a lot of people are going to read that. Reading in their mm-hmm. Connor should retire. You know, you tempted to read, okay, well, what's Mitch's reasons for, you know, saying he should retire? Oh, and, again, it was I, a brutal knockout loss. It was. So, I mean, I, I could see the concern. You don't want to see Amir Khan jumping into those same situations. So, if for his next fight he's going to say, well, you know what, I, I boxed Canelo, you know, for – the majority of the first five rounds of the fight, I want to fight Gennady Golovkin next. Well, then, then I'll, I'm going to be right behind him saying, yeah, fuck it, you should retire. <laughs> you know, if you want to stay middleweight, then, you know, you need to find something else to do. But if he wants to come back, get rested, and come back as a welterweight, I'm all for it. That's a really compelling fight. Amir Khan versus Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner push- hasn't looked that Adrian Broner hasn't looked that spectacular in his last fights. Amir Khan will come out with guns blazing, and it's a more natural, a nat- more natural size matchup. I like that one, Jake Donovan. We might have to right. start a pool. Right, and my we're going to start. Too, a, you know, it, <laughs> I said Adrian is coming off the situation where you know, I mean, it, the whole circus of you know everything that went into his fight on April first, which of course did play into Spike TV drawing you know great ratings from it because they got so much extra attention, but. I mean, he's on trial right now for, uh, you know, crim- uh, alleged, you know, That's right. criminal charges back home in Cincinnati. So he's waiting that out. He missed a week for his last fight. Wasn't that much over, but was so drained that he decided, you know what, I'm not losing another round. I don't want to weaken myself. I'm just going to give up my title right here and there. That type of behavior, I mean, and it's not the first time he's been in that situation. We can't keep rewarding it just because, oh, well, you know, he drew over a million viewers on Spike. He drew a Spike That's TV right. highest rated right. boxing event ever. That's Not correct. everything can be rewarded. At some point, you have to say, well, thank you for this, but you still did this wrong, so here's your next assignment. You're not fighting for a title. You're gonna, we're going to put you in a position where we're going to get something out of you. You know, we're going to give you – and that, to me, that fight is a mere contract. I mean, I don't want to see a mere contract for a title next. I think both of them – that would be a great fight for both of them. You know, it's a must-win situation. I think that raises the level of intensity for both of them, you know, knowing that something bigger awaits, but that they actually have to fight for it instead of being handed these opportunities. So that's my whole reason. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, I just thought about a whole nother line of discussion, but we're closing, coming in on the close of the show. We'll have to talk about that again with you, Jake, about weight okay. and and just the fluctuations when you are a fighter like Adrian Broner, who you're starving yourself to make a certain weight class, but you make a jump up in a weight class and you're not as formidable at that weight class, probably because of the lifestyle that you're living outside of the ring. Does it give right. birth to a new era of funky catch weights? Are we going to start getting Broner <laughs> weight fights now? Like people call it Canelo weight. So, yeah, but we'll Canelo save that topic for another day. Okay, before we close out the show, why don't you go ahead and jump into the weekend fight schedule for us? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's not a big week for um, stateside boxing, but there is plenty to go around. Uh, Friday, we actually do have two shows that are going to be on US TV. The best one of the lot is the Showtime 
uh, Showbox card, a pair of cruiserweight fights are uh, on must-see TV, in my opinion. Andrew Tabidi takes on Keith Papia in a 10-round cruiserweight fight, and then 2012 U.S. Olympian Michael Hunter will take on Isaiah Thomas. All four guys are undefeated. I, those are two 50-50 fights, in my opinion. Those are the type of fights mm-hmm. you want to see on Showbox, which was the foundation of the series from when it was founded uh, 15 years ago. Uh, Ronald Graville is also on the card. So over in D.C., Dusty Hernandez-Harrison makes his uh, return home. He's going to fight Michael Dallas Jr. in a 10-round welterweight fight. About that fight is going to wind up on BET. So And Orlandito Delval is going to be on that card as well. Peter Manfredo Jr. waiting is a long way to come back in Lincoln, what? Rhode Island. That is off TV. Yeah. Cricket, cricket. <laughs> Peter cricket, Manfredo cricket. in the super middleweight out. Cricket, right. And then moving on to Saturday, um, the best fight in the lot, unfortunately, is not going to be on US TV. It's a cruiserweight eliminator between Myris Bredis and Ola, excuse me, Olan Riwazu Duradola. I'm sorry that I butchered his name. I tried to get it right. But that was that's pretty good. I, I try. <laughs> that is a 12-round <laughs> cruiserweight fight in, in Riga, Latvia. The winner is going to face the winner of the May 29th vacant title fight between Tony Bellew and Junior Makabu. That is the pick of the winner, in my opinion. In China, in Hong Kong, we have Rex Show fighting Young Gil Bay, and 2012 Olympic gold medal winner Ryota Murata fighting Felipe Santos. That is in Hong Kong. Later that evening, Murata, the guy that Murata beat to win the gold medal, Escavia Falcao, is fighting on an undercard, I don't know if it's going to make the Unimas telecast. What the fight that will hit is red hot lightweight prospect Saul Rodriguez. And then we also have Raul Jarez versus Jose Cayetano on BN Sports Espanol. Boxing fans remember Cayetano for going 10 rounds with uh, Leo Santa Cruz on the most watched pay per view event ever. It was the chief support to many, uh, to Floyd Mayweather's win over Manny Pacquiao. And then Antonio DeMarco makes his comeback on that undercard. So that's the weekend to look forward to. Wait, when is Antonio DeMarco fighting again? That is on the undercard of Raul Girales and Jose Cayetano on BN Sports Espanol. Antonio DeMarco, he will never go away. Hey, he's you know, not. They, and you know what? He he gave uh, almost a year old hell of a fight last December. You know, it, when he was supposed to be retired, he came caught out of his retirement, gave him a hell of a fight, so why not go for one more? And I'm sorry, I did miss two more. Lee Haskins finally gets to make a, his uh, IBS Bantamweight title defense. He had his shot to fight on the Canelo Cotto undercard, but Ronnie Caballero missed weight, so Lee's been on ice. He will fight Ivan Morales. If Morales wins, they will become the Morales family will become the second family ever to have three brothers in the family to win a title. Um, obviously, his older brother is Eric Morales, and then the only other family to do it is the Kamea family. Interesting. Hey, I'll be honest. That card Friday night in Vegas on Showtime, that card yes. is flying under the radar. That's going to be a good card. I agree. And I, I said it from the moment it was announced. Those two cruiserweight fights, I mean, Mayweather Promotions had the date. They, um, they had the venue on hold. But Showtime told them it's going to be a Showtime fight, a Showtime card, when you give us the, the opponents. It's not going to be Andrew Tavidi versus to be announced. It's not going to be Ronald Graville versus to be announced. You know, the, the hand was dropped. They said these have to be compelling matchups. And to Mayweather Promotions credit, they delivered. I mean, I can't wait for these two cruiserweight fights. The big boys are going to slap it around. Well, they you got will. it here. 
straight from Jake in the Box, giving you all the great fights this weekend. So make sure you tune in to Showtime and BN Sports. And if you can't find these fights on your local listings, there are ways that you can watch these fights. But we're not going to tell them to you here because we don't advocate that type of behavior. But Twitter does. So if you want to find those fights, you just head on out to your local boxing timeline and you say, hey, how can I watch this fight? And I guarantee someone will help you. Well, that is all we have for this week. I want to thank Austin Trout for calling in at the top of the show. Michelle Rosado, Ragey Babe, RB. Oh, before Jake Donovan, always a pleasure, always knowledgeable. Before we wrap it up and remind you that the Morning Punch and Show is back on Monday from 8 to 9, the Raging Bay Brunch is heading to New York City. It is heading over oh, to yeah. the East Coast during the Puerto Rican Day Pride weekend. Before we wrap a little bit, a little bit of sneak peek at the Raging Bay, Raging Bay Brunch in New York, RB. Well, I... I... We're going back to New York. We're going to take on the Big Apple. It's been three years. Uh, we did a brunch in Brooklyn in 2013, and I've had all the Raven Babes in the, on the East Coast, you know, keep asking me, when are you coming back? And so it's finally happening. It's going to be a very intimate and exclusive affair. So exciting. Um, I guess I'll let the cat out the bag. We are honoring Kathy Duva. We haven't formally announced that Ooh. yet. That'll go out in a press release probably in a couple weeks. So we're honoring Kathy Duva. It's very, very special. No pressure over here, you know, to make it the best event ever. So it's just right. a really great way to get all these women who are trailblazers together. And, you know, we bond and we exchange business cards and uh, we exchange our stories, our triumphs, our successes, our losses. And we make great connections there. And friendships are formed and business relationships are formed. And it's just an awesome event. So really looking forward to that June 11th. Uh, the morning of Lomachenko versus Rocky Martinez at the Garden. Excellent. So make sure, for those of you listening to the show, make sure you share the information on your various publications and get the message out there. Very worthwhile event, great event, and definitely needed in this landscape. So that's it for the ruckus this week. Once again, the Morning Punch and Show will be back on Monday from 8 to 9 Pacific time with me and R.B., RB and me, and we have someone calling in on the hotline bling that, oh, boy, oh wait till Lord. you hear the hotline bling. It's going to be cray, Hot. cray. So make sure you tune in and take care, and we'll be back next week. Good night.